Good evening. It is good to see each of you, and if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for being with us. If you would, open your Bibles to Psalms 147. Psalms 147, in just a moment we'll begin there. As tonight, we continue with the same theme, but at at first it would seem like just the opposite. We talked this morning about being fearless for God, but then tonight we will talk about being fearful of God. And as we think about this morning, the fearless for God is is to not allow anything to paralyze us from serving God and being God's child. But yet, when we think of fearful of God, we think of that awesome respect where we hold God in high reverence in our life. If you had parents that you loved and respected, you can easily identify with what it is to be fearful. For example, it's a balance of you loved your father and you loved your mother and you were somewhat fearful of the wrath. My mom could bring out a belt with the best of men. And uh, my dad could too. And so I had to consider that as I considered my relationship with them as a child. Would I disobey them? Would I go against what they taught me? Because in one sense, I was afraid of the consequences. But yet in another sense, under the same scenario, I was also fearful of hurting that relationship with them. They deserved my respect. They were worthy of that. And I didn't want to do anything to damage that relationship that we had established. I wanted to respect them. You know, when we think about what it means to fear God... This morning we looked quite a bit at David and Saul. But now, tonight, let's look at a few passages where David says more about having a proper, a healthy fear or respect of God. I remember one time in a Bible class, a passage was being read that related to fearing God. And and a retired age lady spoke up and, and she said, I just don't like that phrase, fear God. I think we ought to just call it something else. What are we going to do? Rewrite the Scriptures? God has no problem saying, I want you to be fearful of me. And so when we have in our mindset a relationship that says, I just want to be buddies with God. You know, and, and you don't hear as much about it now, but you know, back a few years ago, you'd even hear some saying, well, I heard someone pray the other day, and they said, instead of, dear Heavenly Father, they would say, hey God, it's me again, I just wanted to talk to you. What's wrong with that? It shows no reverence. It shows no fear for God. Friends, God wants to be our friend, but we hold Him in view of not just our peers, but of an awesome God that wants to be our friend. And so tonight, let's string together three or four times of the many times that David and other writers in the Bible said, let's fear God. And as we do that, let's also see the benefits of it. Psalms 147. Notice what he says in verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His mercy. Now this is interesting when we think first off tonight, why would we want to fear God? 
First off tonight, let's say, I want to fear God because it pleases God. Don't you want to please God? When I think about my relationships with peers and with family members, I like to know that what I do brings pleasure in their life. Most of us, surely all of us here could honestly say, I don't want to be a pain in somebody else's life. I don't want them to say, well, yes, I know them and, and they're hard to live with. Do you want to bring pleasure to God? God says when we hold Him in proper esteem, when we are reverent, when we are fearful of God, that is what brings pleasure to Him. And note there the repetitive phrase, if you will. In other words, the second phrase in verse 11 that seems to describe the first phrase even further. He says, and those who hope in His mercy. How are you and I going to be saved? The only hope we have is in the mercy of God. And so when we think about that awesome God, we also realize the only hope we have is in the mercy of that awesome God. What brings pleasure to that God? For us to fear Him and to know that I don't want His punishment. I don't want to hear God say, Depart from me, you who work iniquity. We want to hear Him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In other words, from Psalms here, you've brought pleasure into my life. Let's compare this to Job, the first chapter. You remember how the story of Job starts out, and I know either presently or recently the uh, auditorium class on Wednesday night has been looking at the story of Job. And it's a powerful story. And you remember how he is described in verse 1? Listen for the word fear here. We're in Job 1 and 1. Pew Bibles, it's 451. He says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who, notice this, one who feared God and shunned evil. Now, it goes on to tell about the rich family he had. And I mean rich just in the sense of having many sons and daughters, seven and three. And then he goes ahead and he tells about the riches materially that he had. He had so many camels and donkeys and oxen and etc. As a matter of fact, it even tells about his household. It was a very large household, so great that it made him the richest man in the East. And do you remember when Satan comes into the presence of God to talk to him, did you remember what he says in verse 8? This is the Lord speaking to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now let's think for just a moment. This is not a man's description of another godly man. Let's think for a moment. God, how would you describe a godly man? Out of all the things he could have said about Job, one of the few things he says to Satan, he fears me. God finds pleasure in those that hold Him in the proper esteem. Now, God has brought to the table fear. Satan's going to talk about that. Let's look at the next verse. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Does he? Do you? Satan is looking over at this beautiful family that he has, and he says, there's ten reasons why God fears you. I have to admit, and I know I'm not unique in this. I'm just trying to paint uh, uh, something that we can grasp mentally here so that we can really test ourselves and say, do I fear God for nothing, or am I expecting a payment for God? You see, he's saying, Satan is saying, well, you look at those ten children. That's why he fears you. 
When I'm out late at night and I come in and my children are already in bed, very often I'll go to each one's room. And all of you parents have done this. You stand over them and you touch their hair, kiss them. I can't help. You just can't help but say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that blessing. You walk to the other room and I have to admit, I feel closer to God. I feel like I owe God something because of such a blessing. Satan thought the same thing about Job. I tell you why he serves you. Look at that beautiful family you gave him. Do we consider our blessings a paycheck? God, you serve me with blessings, and I will give you the fear. You don't give me the blessings I want, God, and it's off. I will not fear you. Satan was also looking at all the material things. He says, look at all those fields. Look at all those servants. You take all of those things away from him, and he will not fear you. In other words, he doesn't fear you for nothing. He fears you for something. And so the test is for each one of us. Do we believe and understand in our heart that God is worthy of our respect even if He didn't lift another finger for you and I? He is. If we didn't receive one more blessing in our life, God is still worthy of our respect. Worthy of our fear. And so this is why the psalmist says it brings pleasure to God. See, the emphasis is upon God. It's not upon us. And Job, as this story unfolds, proves that he fears God not because of all the things God has done for him, but he fears God because God is worthy to be feared. Now let's look at the second point. Are there any blessings if we do fear God? In other words, He is worthy of our fear, period. But does it help us at all? Of course it does. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalms 115. It's page 543 in your pew Bible. Psalms 115. Let's link this with another Psalms also that David wrote to put two, two Psalms together to make one point here. And as we make this point, we're simply saying, okay, number one this evening, He deserves it. It brings him pleasure and he deserves it. But number two, doesn't it benefit us? Yes, okay, how does it benefit us? If we fear God, how does it benefit us? Psalms 115, beginning at verse 11. You who fear the Lord. See the phrase? You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help, number one, and their shield, number two. Now that's the main point here, but let's go ahead and read on because 13 brings out another wonderful point about fear. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. So God says, I want everybody to fear me. You, you look at yourself as someone small, I want you to fear me, God says. You look at yourself as someone great, I want you to fear me. And the blessings of God will come upon those who are small or those who are great as long as they fear God. And so we could say, well, what are some of the blessings? Back in verse 11, His aid, His help. Can you imagine walking through this earth without God's help? God says, you fear me, and I can continually offer support for you in this life, and especially in eternal life. But then notice His shield. 
it comes from the root word that that's the idea of the thick alligator skin or hide. It was a protective layer. You know, this earth has a lot of hard spots, a lot of difficult trails. And how many times can we honestly throw up our hands and say, I don't really know what's best right here. I really don't know what to do. I don't really know how I'm going to get through this difficult time. And if we haven't been there yet, we will if we live any length of time. What am I going to do right now? And you know, sometimes the very best we can do is say, God, I'm just leaning on you. I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how my family's going to get through this. But we're just going to lean on you. And Lord, will you help us? Lord, will you shield us? And God says, you fear me, I'll help you. I'll shield you. And one of the ways, and I'm not suggesting to you this is the only way, but to link another Psalms with it, one of the ways God helps us tremendously, drop back a few Psalms, Psalms 25. Psalms 25. In Psalms 25 and verse 12, he says, Who is the man that fears the Lord? Now that's what we need to study tonight because that's the theme for tonight. What is it to fear the Lord? What's the blessings when we fear the Lord? The psalmist asks the same question, and here's the answer. Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Isn't that beautiful? Who fears the Lord? In other words, it's the one that is taught by God. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. His descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret, now notice that phrase, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. My eyes are forever toward the Lord, and He shall pluck my feet out of the net. Have you ever heard, and I don't really know for sure if it's a word, but if it's not, it ought to be. Have you ever heard of the word teachability? Now, in our Wednesday night men's class, we talk from time to time about teachability. In other words, we can't grow as people if we are not open to be taught. It's that simple. You know, sometimes people in their careers, they reach the point where they think they know it all and they're no longer teachable. And so at that point, they no longer excel. They no longer grow. Sometimes as parents, we reach the point where we think, I've learned it all. I don't need, well, no, none of us have learned it all. Sometime in the church, as Christians, we, we, if we're not careful, can have an attitude of, we've got it all right and I know everything. No, there's no one here that knows everything. Who fears the Lord? One that can honestly say, I want to be taught by God. Once we become unteachable, we no longer fear God. Because what we're saying to God is, I don't have any use to learn anything from you anymore, God. In other words, it's pride instead of humility. Now, look at Colossians as we keep the same thing. Boy, don't turn away. Look at verse 14. See that word secret? The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. And then He ties it right in with covenant. Now let's go to Colossians 2, and this time, instead of the word secret being used, this time we're going to see the word mystery being used. But we're also going to see how any time we remain 
open to being taught from God, it is a rich, rich blessing in our life. So who is it that fears God? People that want God's help, they want God's aid, and they realize one of the ways to be helped by God tremendously, a tremendous way, is to say, God, I need to constantly be learning your way. Look at it as we start. In Colossians, the second chapter, uh, especially you'll see it as we read verse 2 and 3, but to get the complete sentence, let's start in verse 1. Colossians 2 and verse 1, page 1046 in your pew Bible, 1046. Colossians 2 and 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and uh, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Now notice these phrases right here, several in a row and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery or the secret of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How many ways can God say how valuable knowledge is? Notice there, he said it was all riches. He said it was full assurance of understanding. He said it was a mystery. In other words, not everybody has access to this. Only those that fear God have access to the mysteries of God. You could list any topic right now, especially as it deals with doctrine of the church, with salvation, with morality. You could list any of those topics and say to a faithful Christian, what is the best way to live in this area? Then go out to someone who knows nothing of God's Word and say, how's the best way to live in this area? And because of the ignorance, their life would not be rich in knowledge that really makes a difference. We're not talking about in things that are insignificant. We're talking about things that make a difference in our eternal existence and also in our life on this earth. And so Paul writes in Colossians, And He wants us to have an appreciation for how rich and how full life can be when we're constantly learning and valuing the knowledge of God. Notice two ways He emphasizes this. Look at verse 4. We're still in Colossians 2. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. No, deception through persuasive words. Hold on to that thought and we're going to read 8 and time back together. Beware, verse 8, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So in verse 2 and 3, he talked about how rich it is to have the mysteries and the secrets of God unfolded. And then in 4 and verse 8, he says, don't be deceived. Somebody will come by And and they're a slick talker. They use persuasive words. And then he even said in verse 8, they will cheat you. I wonder how many of you have ever bought something that cost quite a bit of money and after you bought it, you kind of had that sick feeling in your stomach and you thought, did I really get what I just paid for? I've been there. I sold a lot of calves to buy Tracy's engagement ring. Her ring only fit on one finger, but the truck was packed full of calves that I'd raised to buy a ring. 
And so I went in there, and I promise you this is the truth. I started counting out those $100 bills, and my knees got weak and my stomach started aching. I'd never paid that much money for one thing up to that point in my life. And I was feeling sick. And so you can imagine, as I'm driving away, and it wasn't sick about getting married or buying the ring. Honestly, my sick feeling was, I don't know anything about diamonds. What if I've just bought something that's not even a diamond? Or what if I bought a low, low grade? And what if I find out that, that I've paid all of these calves and it was only worth one calf? What am I going to do? I got back in late, late, middle of the night to my house with that ring. And I woke Mama up. I said, Mama, can you take this tomorrow while I'm at work to some jewelry store around here and please get it appraised? I don't care what it costs. Please get it appraised. I feel like, what if I've been cheated? What if I've taken money that's of value and someone cheated and gave me something that was of no value? Oh, I was so relieved when the appraisal came back better than what I paid. But friends, don't we realize that that's what Paul is saying in Colossians 2. He's saying, look at the full assurance, look at the richness, look at the mystery, look how valuable God's Word is. Don't let somebody come over here and slick talk you with persuasion for nothing, for men's philosophies, for deceitful ways. Don't be cheated out of what is so valuable. Who fears God? People that can say, God, you're worthy of it. And it brings pleasure to you. And that's why I fear you. But it's also people that say, Lord, I fear you because I just want to learn more. Because your ways are so high. Your ways are so awesome. Tonight, have you made some bad exchanges in your life? Does your life at this point say, Lord, I fear you? My words, my thoughts, my heart, my actions, they all prove that I fear you. None of us are perfect. And if you're at a point in in your life where you know that that's not what your life and your heart is communicating to God, let's communicate that tonight. That's the beauty of God. He forgives. He understands our weaknesses and wants our best. We can't go back and relive the past and give Him something that's already happened. We can't redo. But we can say from here forward, Lord, I want to give You my all. If you've never been baptized into Christ for remission of sins, tonight would be a good time to make sure that you're making wise exchanges in your life. And exchanging and giving away the world to cling to Jesus is the best exchange we could ever have. If you've been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way there's been some poor swaps, let's be humble enough, let's be strong enough, but really bottom line, bottom line, let's fear God enough. If we fear Him as He ought to be feared, the rest takes care of itself you need to repent of sins and confess sins and pray forgiveness, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.